thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through his word. Thy praise confess, yea, of thy word, yea, my tongue would sing, yea, I confess, yea, I confess, for thy commands are righteousness. Well, greetings this Lord's Day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. You know, it is a blessed thing every time we gather together that God gives us one more opportunity to uh, come together and just lift up His name and give thanks to the Lord and rejoice in the fact that He has saved us, that He has given us one another. Amen? Amen. The Lord has been very, very good to us. The psalm for our call to worship today is from, says, Bless the Lord, this is Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, and who crowneth thee with loving kindness and with tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, and he is plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father who pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are grass, and as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, O ye angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. As the psalmist sang, it was almost like a command to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, today we lift up 
your name, Lord, for your name is above every name. At your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are Lord. And today, Lord, we, we don't do that just as uh, fearful subjects, which we are, but we do that willingly in honor to you, for you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, you have forgiven us of our sins and you have called us your own children and we have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefilable that is reserved in heaven, that is kept by your power for us, O oh God. Lord, we know that there is nothing that can change the state of those things and for that we rejoice. We pray today, Lord, that you would speak to us from your word and that you would change us by it, Lord, that you would lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For we are your people, the sheep of your pasture, Lord. Take pleasure in us today as we sing unto you, as we lift up our voices in praise to you. Make our praise acceptable, Lord, to you. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Remain standing for just a little bit more here as we read our text. Our text is the first five verses of Psalm 92. Isn't it hard to believe we have gone through 91 psalms already? Uh, and we have about, well, not quite 60 more to go. Um, and uh, it's going to be great. Um, psalm 92, my sermon title today is called Times to Give Thanks. And no, it is not a Thanksgiving Day message, but I, uh, the, the image certainly comes from that, the day of Thanksgiving. Um, because we're going to talk about times to give thanks. Psalm 92, starting in verse 1. Let me read for you my text. Uh, before I do, though, I do want to say this. Um, one of the most wonderful and blessed parts of being uh, a pastor, and I don't know that every pastor has this experience, but I do have it. And, and I, I keep wondering if it will ever change. But as I read the text and pray and ask God to speak to all of you through it, um, God begins to speak to me. And uh, Sister Kim, I said, and I write my sermons and I write them word for word and I just, I just cry. And I cry because God comes and illuminates the word for me. And I sit there and I hear it and I think of you as I am writing it down. Sister Joy, I think of you and I think, I think oh Lord, this message is going to be so wonderful for, for them. And I had that experience again and I wonder, you know, maybe one day God will stop doing that. And if he does, I will probably stop doing this. Because I don't want to just give words that are coming from my mind. I want to give words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I want them to come illuminated for you in particular. Amen? It's a great joy to do it, and I'm going to do it again today here in Psalm 92. A psalm, a song for the Sabbath. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery 
and upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we know that the letter kills, but the Spirit giveth life. Lord, issue forth your Spirit like a bubbling stream, like a a rushing well, Lord, that comes out and refreshes us, Lord, an overflowing cup, Lord. Quench our thirst today. Fill us, feed us, Lord. We want to have good things from your hands today. And Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would um, be in all of these things that come next, Lord, that you would just be the one speaking to us. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. There is a time for every purpose under the heaven. And today, the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, our day of rest is a gift for God's elect people. It is also a day for praise and worship and the reading of God's word, which we have done for breaking of bread and drinking of wine, which we will do. It is a time of joy and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is a time to give thanks. Are you thankful for this precious time that we have been given Do you look forward to it? Do you understand that it is a gift that there are people who cannot gather publicly? That there are people who have no one to gather with? That there are people who are estranged from the body of Christ and they are alone or maybe they're in a land that is persecuted and maybe if they lift up their voices, they will be heard and they will maybe be in danger of prison or death? Are you thankful for the precious time that you've been given here Today, do you understand that it's even something to be thankful for or do you take it for granted? I hope that you are thankful today. Today we enter not only into a physical rest needed by some more than others. The back row back there is probably so tired from all of the work that they have put in. uh, And uh, I'm sure they need a physical rest. And today I'm glad that they're getting it. And I pray that they not only get that, but they get a spiritual rest as well. But today, not only do we enter into the physical rest, we enter into a rest from trying to pay for our sins or earn favor with God. That's what our flesh always tries to do. We try to earn something from God that we really can't earn. And today we're reminded that we can rest from that too. That's nonsense. This rest is the rest of faith that says that I can cease from my own works and trust in God's finished work for my salvation. As Christ said as he hung on the cross before he drew his last breath, before he died for our sins, he said what he said, it is finished. And it is. You don't have to strive for your salvation. You don't have to earn it. You do not have to keep it. What a tiresome job it would be to try to to hold something that you couldn't hold or earn something that you could never have then and there Christ's work for our salvation was accomplished on the cross a work we cannot and could not do but it was done for us nonetheless can we say thanks be to God 
Entering this rest is a deep and beautiful comfort and a greater gift by far than the temporal rest for our weary flesh and bones. And if you haven't known this rest, you can know it and you can enjoy it today by faith. And if you already do, today is a time to give thanks for it. Aren't we thankful that God has saved us? Amen? Aren't you glad that God is keeping us? Amen. This is one of the best times to give thanks. And let's do that together as we cry out together a resounding thanks be to God. You want to do it one more time real loud. Ready? Thanks be to God. Psalm 92 takes us out into the deep waters of thankfulness. Waters that we can swim in. Waters we can dive under and be cleansed from our faithlessness and complaints. Let our mouths and lives sing of thanksgiving and silence our murmuring. For God is great and he is greatly to be praised. The psalmist will lead us beside the still waters and restore our souls today when we join with his song for the Sabbath. Psalm 92 has a short but very direct inspired heading. Many may not realize that these words are as inspired as the words in the verses. It says it is a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. Indeed, this is a song Israel sang together, especially on the Sabbath. But it, like so many things, is not merely a Lord's Day blessing. It is a blessing that should permeate our every day and the whole of our lives. Oh, would be to God that we saw every day as a day to lift up our voices in thanksgiving to God for His goodness to the children of men. As I was working on my sermon and I began reading this, I began to think of Psalm 107. I don't know if you have this in your heart and in your mind, but for me, as I was reading this, just as I read the inspired heading, I just began to think of Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, gathered them out of the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go, to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul. He filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor and they fell down and there was none to help. And then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God has done so much for us. We do not lack a reason to praise him. We just lack the will. We lack the thought. We live in such comfort and such ease and with so little difficulty. We forget all of the things that God has done. We take them for granted as if uh, the whole world has them, as if that it's just something that we deserve. Right? The great psalm for the Sabbath begins, verse 1, with a clear trumpet of exclamation. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. 
Can you almost, it almost sounds like a trumpet blast to me, you know? I wish I could play a trumpet. Maybe, Lex, you know, if you had your trumpet. <laughs> right? It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to thy name. Oh, most high. Indeed, what a better use of our lips and lungs than this. God has given us these powerful tools that can set the world on fire for destruction or ignite it with the light of the gospel. What are you doing with your words? Are you tearing others down? Are you complaining that things are not the way you wish that they should be? Or are you using them to give thanks to the Lord? This is an important thing to know. If you remember, James told them, he said, you know what? The mouth is a powerful thing. Just like the helm of a ship, it's such a small thing, yet it moves the whole ship. Just like the, 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 the bits in the horse's mouth, the horse is huge and the bits are small, but yet that little thing, it, it turns the horse where it wants to go. The, the helm turns the ship where the ship is going to go, and so the mouth turns the whole body. In fact, the Bible says it is the power to set on the world on fire for bad or for good. What are you doing with your mouth? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 6 through 8 say, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Do you want the Lord's direction for your life? Do you want a soul deep health? then I would recommend that you give thanks to the Lord with your mouth today and every day and be slow to speak words of complaint about others. Be thankful and we'll find ourselves slow to anger too. <coughs> it's hard to be angry when you're counting your blessings, but it is easy to burn with anger as we murmur. Since we believe that God is sovereign over all things, when we complain about others or our circumstances, we're really just complaining about God. You see, the final words of the verse remind us of this very truth. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name. And then you can say it with me, O Most High. Say, O Most High. That O Most High is not just a poetic statement. It is a Hebrew word, El Elyon, which means the sovereign one, the one who is in charge of everything. The one who orders our steps, the one who we may make plans, but God is the one who establishes what it is that we're going to do. From his hand comes all that comes to all of us. We freely accept those things that seem good. Shall we not also freely receive those things that do not seem to be good, knowing that they indeed are for our good, as he promises us? Oh, most high, sovereign one, we thank you for whatever comes we give thanks for all things, knowing that it is the will of God. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard earlier from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What would our lives be like if we did this instead of what we do? Wouldn't we be a pleasure to be around? Wouldn't we bring joy to so very many if when we were with people we said, you know, isn't the Lord good? Hasn't he been kind to us? Hasn't he given us a beautiful day? Now, sometimes you might be around people and you go, you know, I don't even, I don't like to be around them. They just, they're happy about everything. I started a sentence the other day. I was like, do you know, 
do you know what I like? And someone goes, yeah, Mark, you like everything. <laughs> That's not so bad. You know, my dad taught me when I was younger, you can, you can love almost anything. And if you hate your work, your day will be long. Your time will be difficult, but if you can find a way to love it. And I remember a day like that. I remember when uh, they sent me out to this gravel parking lot that had been used for semi-parking, and they told me, we're going to plant trees there. 20 years of gravel and semi-trucks, you know, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a post pounder and pound these posts into the gravel. And I remember with all of my might pounding and it just bouncing and bouncing, and, and they're going, you only have 200 of these to put in. And it was 90-some degrees, and I thought I was going to die. And I'm like, Lord, take me now. I felt like Jonah, you know, like, Lord, just kill me, Lord. And I remembered my dad saying, you know what? You can enjoy anything. Mark, you've got, you got two hands. Mark, you've got a job. Mark, you've got a church. You know, you, you know what? Just whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. And I remember, I remember going, well, it can't be done. It's impossible. It can't be done. You know, and I remember, and, and then I remember when it took hold. I remember when I started singing and it kind of got a little tune to it, you know, and I try to figure it out. You might go, well, that's just silly. That's crazy. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know, you decide what you do with your life. You can look at your life and you can say it's terrible, it's, it's horrible, and you can look at others and say that their lives are better, or you could look at, at, at what you have and see it for what it really is. It's a gift. Wednesday morning, I met with Pastor Jim Blankenship, who's been a pastor in this community for 52 years. It was a joy to hear him going from thing to thing. We would get from one topic to another, and he's, he's an old guy, and he's got physical ailments, and he, but you know, he didn't bring them up, and he, he was just like, oh, isn't the Lord good? Hasn't God been good to us, Brother Mark? And I'm like, yeah, he has. And the more he began to talk about how God was good to him, I started thinking about how good God's been to me. And he would say, isn't this breakfast good? I'm like, yeah, you know, it is kind of good. You know? Aren't these eggs good? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's good. You might go, well, that sounds silly. It's silly until you need it bad. I'm sure he could have legitimately had a lot of negative things to say, but he didn't. And, and it, it just was a contrast for me. I'm so glad that he didn't. I left our time together feeling lighter, more hopeful, wanting to offer others the same kind of experience. You know, when we do this, we show forth something beautiful to everyone we meet. And verse 2 tells us what that is. It says in verse 2, we show forth thy loving kindness. You know, when you complain, it's like, you know, God's not been good to me. Things aren't any good, you know. We're people who believe everything comes from God, right? So why do we complain? We show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. I actually was a little entertained by Calvin as I was reading and he was explaining that this is not specifically only just for the morning and for the night. That this is a matter of speech which can be taken to understand that it means all the time. And I thought, come on Calvin, I mean... I don't have to be a theologian to understand the poetry of verse 2, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Our praise of God to others, our thankfulness for the many good things he's blessed us with is a testimony of the mercy of God, his loving kindness. 
This is appropriate behavior all the time, not just when we kneel down to pray by our bedsides or when we awake for another gifted day, morning, afternoon, evening, and night. It is always good to give thanks to the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Ephesians 5 says, What we do proves what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3, doing it in song, according to the psalmist, it does so even more. Verse 3, upon an instrument of ten strings and upon a psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. Have you ever found yourself near a joyful whistler or a bubbler forth of melodious praise, a hummer? <laughs> you know, I'm not wanting to get all, you know, Disney on you here or whatever, but, you know, Right? And all day long, right? You know? I don't know. I can't sing all those songs. Well, I actually can, but... but. (laughs) There's something about joy. There's something about being thankful. There's something about seeing what God has given you and instead of disparaging it for what you could have... Folks, all that is is discontentment. It's unthankfulness. The Bible talks about this and deals with this quite extensively in the scripture in the Old Testament, what happened to those who murmured and complained? Hebrews tells us their carcasses were left in the wilderness. (laughs) How many like to be referred to as a carcass? You know what I mean? It says God in the middle of a desert where they couldn't even raise their own food, where they couldn't go hunting, where they couldn't have God rain food down from heaven for them. And they found a way to complain about it. Lord, you know, we'd kind of like something else here. Could you imagine this? Food coming down from heaven and you collect it. You don't have to plant. You don't have to... No butchering. Just raining down. Well, you know, I mean, it's kind of getting old, Lord. You know, could you mix it up, Lord? And so what did God do? When people complained, basically God said, you know what? You people have got some serious problems. You could find that to complain about. They were slaves. They were being mistreated. And and he takes them out and they're like, you know what? It it was pretty nice back there in Egypt, you know? I mean, they they fed us and, and, you know, and and we're going to die out here of thirst and we're going to be hungry. A thankful spirit is contagious, just like a complaining one, but it's something you actually should hope to catch. Misery loves company, but joy makes a choir. Aren't there people you love to be with because they have hearts bursting forth with praise for the goodness of God, spilling out with hope and love all over you? I I do. I actually like to be around people like that. Now, this might be for another time. Maybe uh, we'll have a marriage seminar here. Probably, Probably not, but I've challenged men to praise their wives when really what they want to do is complain about them. This one guy, he, you know, I was talking to his wife. He's like, man, he's just always talking. He's just always telling me how this isn't the way he likes it. And this isn't the way he wants it. And it's, you know. And so I challenged him. I said, every time you breathe in and you're going to go, you know, and you're going to say something bad. I said, why don't you instead think, I said, is there anything good about this woman? He's like, well, of course there is. And I go, okay, well, tell her she's prettier. Tell her something she did 10 years ago was nice. Do something, but do anything but complain. And you know, he, he actually found this quite entertaining. It changed their whole, they came back, they said, we had the most amazing time we've ever had 
in the history of our lives. Because he had a lot to complain about, Jesse. He had a ton to complain about. And so what he did instead of complain each time is he said something good. What do you think happened in that house over that week? Do you think the woman just like, this is just terrible. This is awful. He thinks I'm pretty and he loves me and he likes the food. And I mean, this is just wretched. Is that, is that how it turned out, guys? What was so funny is they go, you know what? The crazy thing about this is it's got an end. You know, I mean, we're only supposed to do it for a week, I thought. Talk about turning things around in a sad, dysfunctional home quick. The Bible says praise is comely. It's a beautiful thing. And giving thanks to God is the most beautiful and right thing that we can do. You know, if every time you tell a story, the point is that everyone knows that you're the hero of the story, you, you, you're telling it wrong. Some people even accuse me of doing this because I'm always telling stories. But the, the hero of the story that I'm trying to tell about, maybe poorly, the hero of the story is God. You know, if you come in my house and you sit down at my kitchen table and you've never been there before, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm like, can I tell you about this table? How many have heard the story of the table in my house? Right? Right? Why? I'm not telling about it because I'm great. I'm telling about it because God gave us a table. We didn't have a table, Kim. Our table was falling in in the middle and it was rough. And my wife says, we need a table, but I couldn't afford to buy her a table. And she found one on Craigslist for $2,600. I said, now, honey, I don't have $200, much less $2,600. She said, yeah, but it's a really nice table. And maybe they'll sell it to you without the chairs and maybe it'll be cheaper. I'm like, honey, how cheap could it be? You ain't even going to sell it to me for $200. Never going to do that, honey. What is wrong with you, woman? Well, you know, you could just ask him. Oh, honey, please, Lee, come on, honey. I don't want to insult a man on Craigslist, please. Sweetheart, would you call him? And then I was so delighted to, to hear. I talked to him on the phone, and I'm like, yeah, would you be willing to sell me the table without the chairs? And, and I'm not really serving my wife and my family well. I'm being a little bit gruff. I'm being a little bit whatever. What are you going to do with that table? And I'm like, well, what does he care what I do with the table? I'm going to make firewood out of the table. None of his business what I'm going to do with the table. And I'm already mad because I'm having to ask him about the table. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to eat on it. Nobody eats on a table that big. Well, we do. Oh, you do, do you? Yeah, and I'm like, I'm arguing with the guy on the phone. Like, I don't even know the guy. I'm like, could you just shut up already? Oh, well, what do you need that table for? You're going to use it in a boardroom. And so I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to eat on the table with my family. Well, how many kids do you have? I'm thinking, who does this guy think he is? I said, okay, buddy, I got eight kids and the table will fit us just fine. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. And then I thought, I just like, I, I'm going to really, I'm like, hey, not only will we eat at it, we probably school the kids. The kids are at home too. We use a table like that. Oh, you do? He goes, can you just please come and get this table, please? You can have it. All I want is a picture of you and your family sitting at this table. Now, why do you tell a story like that? Because I'm so good, I talked the man into giving me the table? No! Because I'm so stupid, God's wanting to bless me, that I should have listened to my sweet wife and called the man on the phone. But that table is a gift from God. And you know, what I learned later is that everything is a gift from God. Not everything comes through a Craigslist phone call, but everything we have is from the hand of God. Amen? 
and why. Verse 4 tells us why we should give thanks. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. Everybody say, his work. See, we're, our gladness and our thanksgiving doesn't come because of us. It comes because of him. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, it says in James chapter 1. You, Lord, have made us glad through your work. We can triumph in the works of thy hands. It is when we get the idea that more depends on us than it really does, that we do more than we really do, that we find ourselves unthankful and unholy and filled with complaints about everyone and everything that we think we deserve. What we do have to offer God and others is enough, and we shouldn't get frustrated when we don't have more to give. We can give thanks for what we have and for knowing that God has given it to us and has entrusted us with it. His work, His hands, His joy. Amen? Verse 5 reminds us that His works are greater than we can perceive. In verse 5, O oh Lord, how great are Thy works! Thy thoughts are very deep. Now you may look at something on face value and it might even be pretty incredible. Kind of like the story I just told about the table. What a neat story. You know, God gave us a really nice, really beautiful table. He gave it to us for free. And now for all the years of my life, I'll tell everybody that story. That's kind of a neat thing, right? But you know what? We don't know the rest of that story. We don't know the story of the man who gave it. We don't know how he got it. We don't know how God put it in his hands. We don't know anything about that. I believe when it says here that his thoughts are very deep, the Bible is giving us a little picture into God's goodness is so explosively marvelous that when we understand it all, it's going to just blow us out of our, our, our insane, limited way of thinking. And it's going to put eternal smiles on our face. If we knew the whole thing, the real big picture that God was painting it's even greater than we know, Jonathan. We see the goodness and kindness of God through a glass darkly too. He's better than we can know. When we thank him for the works that we see him do, we should know that there is unseen that we could even thank him for. One day we'll all marvel together when it is unveiled. This is one of my things I like to think about. I think this might be one of the things that we do for the millions of years of eternity. I don't think that we will ever tire of it. I call it binge-watching life after life. I mean, you know, you can binge-watch a series on TV. That's one thing. You, you know, can watch The Mandalorian, you know, from the beginning to the end, all in one night. Wow, it's great, you know. But could you imagine watching what God has been doing in the life of a saint and watching the whole thing? and watching every intersection and every beautiful touch and every weave of this tapestry that God is making. Not just what God did for us and to us, but how he used so many others to do it and all those who played important roles. It's going to be so wonderful. If you want to send your mind on a journey into that, when you're tempted to see nothing but gloom, and you can dispel it pretty quickly. Verse 6 tells us that this viewpoint that tries to drown us in unthankfulness is not for God's people, but it is for the brutes and the fools of this world headed for the fires of destruction. Because verse 6 says, a brutish man, he doesn't know this. Neither 
does a fool understand it? What does he know? What does he understand? He doesn't understand how God is at work, how all things work together for good to those that love God. How the flat tire on the side of the road that you're complaining about is the gateway to meeting the person that's, whose life that you might change. We should ever be looking and, and longing for the thing around the horizon that God is bringing, even through the difficultness. As we suffer and we go through difficulty, I am forced by God's word and by the reality that I know is true that although this appears a dark thing to me, although this appears a difficult thing to me, it's not. This is for my good, whatever it is. Verse 6, a brutish man, he doesn't know this, neither does a fool understand it. When the wicked spring is grass, when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. I'm not saying that when we do this somehow we're going to find ourselves lost when we, when we get lost in these crazy thoughts that somehow we're going to be lost. But what I'm saying is, is this is how the lost live. How many people want to live like the lost? I don't. Paul confronted the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5. He told them, he said, this is how the Gentiles walk. They're dark in their minds. They they don't understand what God has done. They have no comprehension about these things. He says, but not you. You're not like that. You know, you've been enlivened. You've been forgiven. You've been changed. You're not like them. Don't live like those who have no hope, who walk in, in thanklessness. We sure are to walk in the light. We are children of the light. The blind grope in darkness, but you have been given eyes to see. Verse 8 reminds us how to get back on course. But thou, O Lord, art most high. Here we have it again, El Elyon, you are sovereign. We have to be reminded, Brother Tim, that God is sovereign. He's sovereign over the events of human history. This is, this is the only thing, you know, Jonathan and Valiant are driving down the road and, and a car comes from the side and whacks them and they spin around and it totals his pretty convertible. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. We don't know what God is doing. We don't understand the story of that. We don't understand how that all ends or where that intersects with the plan of God. But God's word tells us it does. Verse 9, for lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish and all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Do you know God is not Helpless standing on the sidelines going, I just hope those people leave my people alone. Oh, I wish they would. No. When we look at our enemies, we can become discouraged, but this is really a time to give thanks. There's no better picture of this really than in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha the prophet and his servant, you guys know the story, they're in the city of Dothan. The king of the Syrians is mad every time he moves his army one place, Israel goes another. He said, he goes, it's almost like, you know, Israel's got someone in my bedroom at night who knows what we're going to do. And someone said, yeah, I know who that is. It's Elisha the prophet. And God tells him everything you're going to do. And he said, well, we got to kill this guy. <laughs> so they round up all their army. Where is he at? He's in Dothan. And here he is. He's a nobody. He doesn't have a spear or even a sling or a sword or anything. He's the man of God. He's in his, his little house. His servant gets up to maybe build a little fire to cook a little meal. And he's like, uh, Elisha, we're in trouble. 
there's, a, there's, a, there's this army all around. We're surrounded on every side. We couldn't whip one soldier, and there's an entire army. And you know what I love about this story? The Bible doesn't tell us that Elisha could see the angels. It doesn't say it, right? He doesn't pray that he can see them. Because the Bible says, blessed are those that believe and they don't see. He tells, God, would you open the eyes of my servant and let him see what's really going on? You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 6 and you'll see that God opened the eyes of Elisha's servant and he looked around he's like, there's more with us than there are with them. The angel of the Lord is encamped around about us and yeah, the Syrians got a big, strong army, but there's more with us than there are with them. Elisha did not need to see it. He knew it. And the eyes of faith believe it when they don't see it. And they know that it's true even when the reality that is confronting their eyes tells them it's not so. Faith says, yes, it is. God will not be mocked. God will not leave us. God will be with us. God will vindicate us. God will deal with our enemies. God is victorious over them. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. God will have his holy will and nothing can withstand him. Amen? The angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him. We have an encampment here. I know we do. There's nothing to fear. When it gets scary in the natural eye, it is what? It is a time to give thanks for what we cannot see. But what we know is there. God will not leave us. When we're done thanking God for what he has done and what we believe he is doing in our lives right now, there's still more to do though. I'm going to tell you about another time to give thanks. Most of the rest of Psalm 92 leads us to do this and we can thank God for what he will do. Everybody say, for what he will do. See, this is spiritual bravado is what this is. You can read about this in the Psalms a lot. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And he, first, he's, first he's asking himself some questions. But in the end of Psalm 27, he goes, I'll tell you what. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. When my enemy comes upon me to eat up my flesh, what's he going to do? He's going to stumble and he's going to fall. What's he doing? Spiritual bravado. My God is with me. Holy boldness, bragging about what God will do. Verse 10, my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of the unicorn, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. For those of you that need a little exegesis here, there are no unicorns in the Bible. It's a King James uh, word that is used here. It's a very, very strong bull, an animal, a powerful animal, and the power of the horn, the horn, you know, that would just, you know, pick up a man and throw him 50 feet across the world, this huge beast. My horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. He's talking about what will happen. God's going to exalt me. God's going to anoint me. Can you see this bravado? This is what's going to happen. And it's kind of where we go, Rachel. We start off sometimes in doubt. We start off sometimes struggling with it. And once we get it, no, 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 this is what God's done. No, 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 I believe this is what God is doing. And now we got to go, oh, let me tell you what God's going to do. And you might go, well, I don't know if I like that. Well, you should. It's all in the Bible. 
My horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. You can see the tense of the verbs changing here. This is what God is going to do. He's going to exalt me. You think you can tear me down, enemy, but God is going to lift me up. You say that I'm done and I'm cast down, but I shall be anointed by God with fresh oil. See how the song looks back. It looks back at the present and then shoots forth with hope into the future because that's where God is. He is the God who was, the God who is, and what the God who is to come. He is the Almighty, the Most High, the El Elyon, the Sovereign over time, past, present, and future. He's there now, and He is waging war for us, even in our future. Verse 11, my eyes shall see. Can you hear it again? My eyes shall see my desire of my enemies and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. Can you see the confidence rising in David's heart? Not only about what's going on right now, not only about what's happened in the, in the past, but now he's looking where? He's looking into the future. Let me tell you what God's going to do. Every man or woman of God is a prophet as long as they declare the true written word of God. For it will come to pass and nothing shall prevent it. As it says in Psalm 1, so shall it be to me and all of God's people. We are the blessed man and women of God of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3 tells us what shall be. What does it say? He shall be. Everybody say, I shall be. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Do you see the future that's happening here, the future tense of Psalm 1? The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The rest of this psalm is very much like Psalm 1. Verse 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13, Those that be planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, They shall bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. Can you see how the bravado moves from past into present and moves into the future? Verse 15 as this psalm and song here for the Sabbath ends says, what's the point of it all? Why? Why is God going to do these things to show that the Lord is upright? That He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him? The Bible tells us those things which are done in secret will be proclaimed out loud. Those valleys that have been dug out and that are low, he will fill them in. Those hills that have exalted themselves up, he will level them down. That justice will be known from sea to shining sea. Amen? And this is what God will do. Psalm 92 is a promise to us and a reminder that we should and we can and rightfully give thanks to God for what he has done. Amen? Amen. I can see some of you are getting a little chilly out there, and I'm going to magically make happiness come. At least I want to so bad. 
And I'm, I'm done preaching, but I'm, I, I still have to turn this on for you. I'm, gonna, I'm worried about you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 92. We need to be reminded that our mouths were given to us to bless the Lord, to praise you, Lord, to give thanks to you, to bless other men. And Lord, we have been guilty of using it to complain and to murmur, and uh, we are complaining ultimately about you. I pray today, Lord, that we would feel correction but at the same time, inspiration, Lord, to know that what we can do with our mouths, the great good that we can do, Lord, that we can give thanks for it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. El Elyon, our sovereign Lord, we know that what you have given us and what has come from your hand, may we be reminded of the words of Job. Lord, we receive good from your hand. Shall we not receive evil also? Lord, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, you are good to us in ways that we don't even know. Your thoughts are deeper than ours. They are past finding out, Lord God, but we trust that you are good, that your mercy endures forever, Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. And Lord, you do all of these things in us, Lord, not out of pity for us, but for your glory, for you are a righteous God and justice is your aim. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.